0: Grace reigns in righteousness, if we don't have righteousness, the understanding of it established in our heart, where do we give rain for grace to rule in our lives? And thereby, how do we do anything that's worth anything if we only are what we are by grace?
1: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's conversation on righteousness. This is going to be the first of two episodes. Uh, guys, I hope that this blesses you a ton. Uh, righteousness is so crucial to our identity, and uh, the Lord paid a hefty price for us to enjoy being clothed in righteousness where shame, guilt, and condemnation once held us bound. So without further ado, I hope this blesses you and equips you in your relationship with the Lord. All right, Joe. I hope you're ready for round two on the gift of righteousness. Why righteousness is important. Um I hope you got a I hope you got a full phone battery,
0: because this is like my favorite topic, one of my favorite topics of all time to discuss. So I am, I'm pumped.
1: Well, I guess I'm praying that 72% will, will go miles upon miles.
0: (laughs) We'll pray multiplication over your phone battery in Jesus name.
1: (laughs) That's awesome, bro. (laughs) Oh man. Um, So last week we, I mean, I, I know we barely scratched the surface on diving into faith, but man, that was just a powerful conversation on we talked about how we're saved by grace through faith, and why why it's so important. Um, and leading into righteousness, we're gonna we're gonna follow the same outline of man. Like, what is it? Why do we need it? Um, and so, just to start us off here, I did I did have a few notes, and uh, I looked up righteousness in that Hebrew word. This is this is interesting. If I'm not sure, do you know where the first time righteousness, pop quiz, or righteous was mentioned in the Bible? I got it. I'm just wondering if you know. Um,
0: I, I don't know that I would say for certain that I know where it is.
1: Well, hot dang.
0: My, um, my guess or my 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 feeling would be, um, Abram or Abraham, somewhere in Genesis. If not there, then Noah.
1: Ooh, you are on it. That's it, bro. Noah. Noah was it was mentioned in Genesis six eight through nine that Noah was named righteous and that he had favor with God. He was also blameless in his generation. But he didn't do anything to earn his righteousness. He didn't, he he was just favored by God, was blameless, blameless in his generation, and God counted him as righteous. That's pretty interesting right there, because that's 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 the law of first mention, and he didn't have to do anything. Um obviously. I'm sure he was walking with integrity with the Lord and 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 that's how he had favor with God and otherwise you know God's grace we talked about the definition of grace and the unmerited favor of God and then the second one was um, Abram in Genesis 15:6 and a little bit of context on why he why God counted him as righteous was because, he actually believed God um, that his offspring will be as numerous as the stars. And that's what counted him as righteous. Now, the Hebrew word is sedek, or spelled T-S-E-D-E-K. In the Old Testament, it's translated as right, righteous, righteousness, just, justify, or declared innocent. Um, So those are just a few words that are related to that Hebrew word. Um, So now that we know what it is, why do we need righteousness, bro? Well,
0: that's kind of like the, that's the, on the surface level of, of, you know, what, what is it? Cause it's a big, you know, it's bigger than just a couple of words can define. At least it's taken me a whole lot more, um, communion with the Holy spirit to unpack it. And I, I, mean, I still am. And that's why it's one of my favorite things. And we'll talk about probably, you know, we'll get into why it's one of my favorite things. Um, but even that you brought up, uh, Noah talking about, you know, that he that he didn't necessarily do anything. But if you think about what we what we talked about last time was faith and what I think is going to be awesome about these different conversations that we're going to have. They're really all of them are going to kind of be like dipping back into one another, um, jumping forward. There's because this this stuff is so intertwined. I mean, Noah and I know in the scriptures that that it, you know, Accounted Noah or mentioned Noah righteous before it talked about him necessarily building the ark. But at the same time, God knows the hearts of men. And here's the the guy that God would say, hey, man, build a boat. And I know that, you know, I'm not super um, up to date with all the scholarly stuff, but I know people, people discuss or think that it probably took him like of upwards of like 100 years to build the boat. So for a hundred years or or even if it's you know 15 years, here's a guy building a boat in the middle of n- nowhere, being being prop- ridiculed, mocked, like you can think about like why are you building this huge boat? Oh you think all of these animals like just absolutely made a mockery of and yet by faith, he held true to what God has spoke to him. And so like, you know with, again, we came back to without faith, you can't please God. And so, man, God's Ooh. pleased by that faith. And we see that as you touched on, on, um, no, on, or on Abraham is, is that he was, it's specifically said that it, because of his faith, it was a, he was accounted as righteous. And that's, that's kind of the basis and the foundation of, of God's heart for us in the fall. And I mean, prior to the fall, we we don't have any necessarily we don't have any knowledge for our faith to battle against that we that we you know we don't we didn't have to have faith that we were made clean because we were never dirty. Come on. But now in the fall, there's a whole different way of thinking. And so we have to now believe by the power of his word that we are righteous because of what he did and even though sometimes our lives and our situations don't look necessarily like that and so that's where all of a sudden the the faith comes in but you know why do we need righteousness um one of my one of my go-to scriptures is in romans and i probably should have just already had it open to it um uh, let's see It is Romans Romans 5, um, 20 and 21. So it says, moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So without getting too carried away on on grace, like Paul says, I am what I am. And we'll probably be repeating this in later conversations, but I am what I am by the grace of God. And so that it's not of my own works, so that I don't have any place to boast. I'm boasting in the Lord, right? And grace, for grace, like if, if we are what we are by grace, like anything done us apart from grace is is worthless and if the kingdom like so the scripture says that that grace reigns through righteousness like that's a reigns is like a a lordship term it's like a term that that notates a, a range a, a king like a, a kingdom of authority in the way that it operates and if if grace, reigns in righteousness, if we don't have righteousness, the understanding of it established in our heart, where do we give reign for grace to rule in our lives? And thereby, how do we do anything that's worth anything if we only are what we are by grace? So for me, it's it's important to Righteousness is like one of the the biggest foundations, and I, I could get so carried away in this. I'm going to let you go here in a minute, but I, I do want to touch on Hebrew six here shortly. I think that's going to come up here in a little bit in the conversation. But for me, that's that's like it's it's one of the most foundational things as a Christian or as just a anybody really, because at the end of the day, whether we're Christians or we're not Christians, we're all in this same thing. Some of us just don't know it or don't believe in it yet. And so righteousness and its understanding is like one of the most foundational important things that we can lay hold of. Um yeah, tag in, you're it.
1: Bro, <laughs> bro, you you mentioned Noah and building that ark, dude. And uh righteousness fits into that green infinity stone this week. And that's Doctor Strange's stone, man. And uh not going to lie, I think I would really enjoy going back in time. Um <laughs> going back in time, bro. Like
0: totally man, agree.
1: Let let me see how you built this thing. Who are you, man? Like dude. You're you were the only one God counted as righteous, you and your family. Man, um I want to see that boat uh but yeah tagging in though why why do we need righteousness and why it's so important and you brought up Romans 5 1 through 21 and uh I think I think we need to note that righteousness has always been a gift it's always been a gift of God um you you can't earn it you can't work for it it's a gift. And if I'm going to go back to Romans 5, 21, or 5, 1 through 21 is uh, what I actually wrote in here. And I'm going to read from 5, 6 on forward in the importance of that righteousness. So it says, Romans, uh, Romans 5, 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Um, so back in the Old Testament, after after Noah and Abraham, um, in order to maintain that righteousness, you had to follow, a few laws. There are different kind of laws. Sacrificial laws. There were the Ten Commandments. Um, in order to be right with God, be be justified, you had to follow those Ten Commandments. You had to the the high priest would have to bring in the blood of bulls and goats and sacrifice um, the animal for the sins of the people yearly. Um, in order to be right with God, to be counted righteous. And so forgiveness, forgiveness is not without bloodshed, as Hebrews talks about, I believe. Like, there must be bloodshed in order for there to be forgiveness of sins. And this is why righteousness is so important, because now in the New Covenant, in the New Testament also, Jesus... The blood of Jesus has once and for all cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We no longer, and Hebrews goes so in depth with this on on just Jesus as our high priest. Um, It's amazing. But we now are clean and it's a gift, right? But we must have faith in what he did on that cross, what he did for us.
0: Now explain to me why we must have faith in righteousness. What do you what do you think? Why why do we need to have faith in
1: righteousness? <sighs> because if you don't have faith in righteousness, it shows it shows that you don't believe that what Jesus did on the cross was powerful enough to cleanse you from sin, powerful enough to deliver you from the power of sin. And that's important because he has, he has, it is powerful enough even to this day to cleanse you from unrighteousness to, to transform you uh, into Christ's likeness. It's, it's so important and, We see we see in Hebrews, we see in Romans, we see in Galatians how the righteous um, um, in quotations, the righteous shall live by faith. And that's part of the reason why we we agreed on talking about faith first. Um, One, it's it's super important, but. In order to be to be righteous, you must have faith and believe in what Christ has done for you on the cross, Um, right? But that's it, bro. The righteous live by faith. Like it, it, it's just how we move and breathe. And I also want to bring some comfort to people. If you're listening in and you're, you're wondering if you're righteous, how do I know if I'm righteous? Um, I'm check this out, guys. And the Lord just revealed this to me not too long ago. But if you think about an ocean, right? Jesus said, "As small as a mustard seed of faith," right. You say to this mountain, move and it will move as small as a mustard seed. I don't know what kind of faith Peter had, but the fact that Jesus in a storm was out on the water and he just said those simple words come. He told him, you know, don't be afraid, but he he, but through all of that, he focused on Jesus and what he said and he walked on water. Again, I don't know how much faith Peter had for that to happen, but he believed Jesus at his word enough to walk on water. That's a miracle. I don't know how long he walked on water for because he sank, you know, cuz he took his eyes off of Jesus. Um, but that's powerful, bro. That's you so powerful. How, you know how long he walked on water? I don't.
0: Longer than I ever have.
1: <laughs> yeah. I Man, I, it reminds me of the, like, those lizards that can run on on water.
0: Oh yeah, seeing those little Jesus lizards—they're
1: they're over here doing it in their own strength, or or maybe they just have faith in what how God they, created them. I don't mean, lizards might got the Holy Ghost. We don't know yet. I mean, they might they might have it. Um, but I, I, I really so the ocean. Let me get back to the ocean. I want to give those listening some peace and comfort. Small as a mustard seed, right? Of faith. That's that's very very tiny. Um. Think of faith as an ocean. If you're at the beach, your water, your, your feet are touching the water. You're in faith. You're in faith. No matter no matter how deep the ocean gets, you're in faith. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes in the cross. For you to be right as righteous as anybody is wet who enters into the ocean. Mm, No one can, no one can, yes, no one can be more righteous than another person. There's no, there's no holier than thou in Christ. The righteous live by faith. And depending on what level of faith you have, you're in faith. And therefore you're as righteous as you'll ever can be. God can't accept 99.9% righteousness in order for you to go to heaven. You must be fully righteous. And you are if, if you have faith in what Christ has done for you. Um, but but again, that doesn't limit the depth of faith that you can achieve or grow into um, or even lose. So, yeah, just just wanted to share that for anyone listening. Well, I think you know, Paul puts it
0: in a really good way, I think. It's in – let me flip to it. It's in Romans, and it is – yeah, it's Romans 6. And he's saying, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. This is verse 19. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness, and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for or my, my bible says for holiness and the for there means unto denoting like a, an entrance a moving into holiness and so it's he what he's literally getting at is kind of like what you know what you're saying john is like you're as righteous as you'll ever be but you can grow in holiness like you can grow in the expression of righteousness that doesn't mean that you're less righteous it just means your awareness of it and in presenting yourself in the manner in which like Jesus has washed you believing that like you said believing that he has washed us and cl- cleaned us and, and living our lives from that place of identity literally produces holiness in our lives and now we're not trying to be holy we're just giving ourselves to righteousness the word says if you, you know if you hunger and thirst for righteousness you will be filled and so it's like if you're if you're present giving yourself hungering and thirsting for righteousness like god is gonna fill that in in the fulfilling of that the expression of it is holiness and sometimes I think, you know, in the world we're like, oh, well, you know, you what you, you you're so righteous, or you, you're self righteous, or whatever. And we and we weigh that oftentimes by the action, and all the action is is either the evidence of works, or it's the fruit of righteousness, and that's just the the outward the exterior that we can see, and those are the things that, because I mean. Dude, I mean when I'm any any believer, when we're saved, we we begin growing up into him in all things. And the more we yield ourselves to his word and believing, we put on, like when Jesus gives the parable of the of the um the prodigal son coming back and the father comes out, it says the father comes out to meet him. He hears he's coming and he comes to meet him. He's like, man, and here's a, here's a a son who by most worldly standards, we'd say, well, you know, you get what you deserve. But here comes the father coming out and he robes him. And then he puts a ring on his finger and all, all of this stuff is signifying like we could go straight back to Genesis and realize that what what does what is one of the first things the the word of the lord or jesus the like the spirit of god does for adam and eve after they have fallen it says he clothes them with skins he makes tunics of skins and clothes them like what what is he doing like they they have just they have just literally shipwrecked their relationship with God. And what it has done more so is defiled their conscience in the way that they think. So now they're covering up instead of being bare before the Lord. And what and what and what the Lord is doing by doing this, he's literally prophesying. And I understand that there's, you know, you can get into that's you know, the blood sacrifice and the loss of life, but he's literally prophesying of him through Christ clothing us again in righteousness so that now I don't have to look down and see the shame of my nakedness. I can think, man, the Lord clothed me in his righteousness. I don't have to see the fig leaves that I put together in my own works because of my defiled conscience. It's in its God from the, like immediately, saying, man, I don't want you to see yourself the way that you're already beginning to perceive yourself. Because what that does is it creates separation between me and you. And that's never my heart. That's not why I created you. So here he is clothing them and then Jesus telling the parable. And so it's like we're putting on this robe. But I think this is one of the Man, this is one of the biggest topics in the church that, honestly, that my understanding has changed drastically in the last few years. And it has honestly gotten me into a lot of, I guess the best way I can say, hot water with a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it is, I mean, because it is an unbelievably, scandalously good f- an amazing free gift. And the free gift sometimes is so contrary to the way that we have learned to think that it just doesn't really make that much sense to us. And so we wrestle against it because I did in my own heart. And man, like once, once the Lord came in and spoke to me and began to reorder like See, because there was there was Joe's definition of righteousness that he that that I learned through, you know, whatever exposure I had to church and by and, and reading the word. And then there was the Lord's definition of righteousness. And I fought. I, I literally it, it sounds like shameful almost for me to say I fought that I was like, no, 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 this is like. No, I'm like I'm I'm not like I'm not righteous like I'm just I'm a sinner, you know? Like I see I sin. But here it is like like you had mentioned the righteous live by faith. And if I'm defining myself by the outward action of my life, I'm now defining myself by myself. And I'm doing that apart from God who says, No, I've washed you, I've cleaned you, I've I've chosen you, and I've purchased and ransomed you to myself as a royal priesthood. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Like as as he is, so are we in this world. There's, I mean, there's so much scripture that is. God expressing to us our oneness with him and how how powerful, I mean, we're talking about Romans five, that goes through over and over and over again and says, and Paul says, he'll talk about sin, where sin abounds. But what does he say about grace? Much more the grace, much more the free gift. And what I found in, in my life was that I really put my own sinfulness in my own ability to sin. On honestly unknowingly with what I thought was with of good intention on a pedestal and diminished the power of God's grace in the kingdom of righteousness because I didn't understand righteousness I'll keep going for three hours so what are your
1: thoughts (laughs) bro you you talked about um how much more grace how much more and and what What greater example do we have than Paul himself? The the writer of much of the New Testament. A man who persecuted Christians. He talks about his advancement in Judaism. Um, He was a man of of great intellect and of power and authority. He he authored... um, the death of Stephen. And I bring this up so often because Stephen was a man full of wisdom. He was a man full of faith. And Paul became like another Stephen. Yes. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. And cause he, I'm sure he was there when Stephen cried out and just, and just with joy, looked to the heavens, you know, even as though they were stoning him. Um, That had to mark Paul. It had to mark him so, so deeply because Paul became a man full of wisdom, a man full of faith, a man full of, of grace, understanding. He, he, he began. And here's the thing. He didn't get this revelation by man as he talks about. He tells people that he received it from Jesus Christ himself. Like who in their right mind is going to believe him? When Jesus was already gone, taken up into heaven, he was no longer walking when he's saying this, you know? Um, but he received it by Jesus, he's telling people. And he 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 didn't console anyone, console anyone for such a time because he wanted to make sure what he was receiving was truly the gospel. And that's when he met up with with Peter and the other apostles of the faith, um, disciples, and they commended him. They where, like you're in the faith like you you're you're preaching the gospel but check this out romans 6 10 talking about much more grace right so it doesn't matter where you came from how what you've done you killed somebody wow like yeah that that's a that's that's wrong that's a that's a big no-no right you've you've stolen you uh, you, you have so much looked at a woman looked at a man in lust like you're just as guilty. You know, you're guilty of sin. We're all in need of his saving grace and his and his his the work of his of the cross, what he did on that on that cross. We we need to receive the bread of life and we need to receive the cup of righteousness, his blood. Um, so check this out Romans 10, Romans 6 10. For the death he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So guys, he is telling us, consider yourself dead to sin. Dead to it. I'm actually alive to God and righteousness. huh? Come on. How is this possible? How do we do that? How how can we consider ourselves dead to sin if we we are still in this in this fallen world? We still might we might sin ourselves, right? He's telling you you died with Christ and you rose with him. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God, right? We've become a new creation. All things have passed, and all things have become new. This is, and let
0: this me is a, let me well let me ask you this, John, because this is I feel like the way the Lord's been describing it to me. So, if you're born again, you're a new creation in Christ. When a baby's born, that is—that's a brand new human, right? Correct. It's never going to be any more or less human than it is the, um, whether the moment it's conceived, let alone when it's you know outside the womb, it's never going to be more or less human, right? Right. But is that baby, through the process of growing up, going to do everything
1: perfectly? No, not no, because we've been born into a fallen world. Well, well, hear
0: me here. Here's what I'm getting at. Sometimes like this is the Lord has honestly just addressed this in me relatively recently. Is that I used to have this language and I hear it pretty, pretty frequently. Well, you know, this, you know, this part of me still needs to die or I still need to die to myself more. I still need to. And the Lord got me one morning and he said, no, no, no. See, you're thinking wrong you have been crucified with Christ or you have been born again now you're growing up into me in all things and it's not that there's something else that needs to die you're just growing up into me and you might you might falter you might misstep but if your heart is pure And as Paul's writing here is if you present your members, your body, your whole life as instruments of righteousness, it will produce its fruit unto holiness. And what I find is that the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in and he tweaks my thinking. Like he he takes a hair and he splits it. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I see what you did there. Like I I could barely tell the difference in that line of thinking. And then he splits it again. And I'm like, oh, man. Geez, I thought I understood what you were saying then. Now I understand it more, but it's almost hard to even say sometimes because it's, it's there is a measure, like, like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, that in the law, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says that in the law there is glory. Why? Because God was a part of it. But it wasn't God's desire from the beginning. But because he was still in it, and because he was communicating to, to man, and because he was walking us through this place, and in the fullness of time would send his son and reveal who he is once again to us. There's a measure of glory, and what I feel like he showed me is it like, hey, you guys get caught up on these measures of glory, and you're what you're really doing is you're you're thinking. Under this guise of legalism, but you're, you're putting on kind of the lipstick of Christ. And so it's like this slow going, it's like this tough thing. And then when he comes to me and he like, just like takes a quarter and flips it over. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I never saw this side before. And he's, again, he's saying like, look, you're a righteous tree, the planting of the Lord, and you're growing up into him. You might have a bad leaf or two come out here every once in a while. But guess what? If you abide in me and I will, I will abide in you and my father, who's the vine dresser, he will come and prune everything that needs to go. And he will even prune those things that are producing fruit so they produce even more fruit. And it's just this way of thinking that chokes out like us exalting our ability to fail above his, his ability to keep us and empower us in grace. And the more that I think like he thinks, the more I manifest what He his kingdom, his glory. Like he wants us to think like he thinks. Speak like he speaks, see like he sees. That's what we were created to do.
1: Ooh. And
0: the more that we think that way, because what's this gospel all about? What is, I mean, Paul writes, he says, let the mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And we're to be re- renewed in the spirit of our mind because our thinking is twisted. And so when we get right thinking, when we when we rightly apprehend the the reality of righteousness, that he is this free gift, like Paul is saying over and over again in, in, in chapter 5, this free gift, then all of a sudden we start to run on into maturity, which the writer of Hebrews talks about. And I, and I misspoke. I said 6, but it's technically the end of 5 and beginning into 6. And this ties right into also like why it's so important. He, he says – he or she says in Hebrews like, guys, I, I'm – like you should already be teachers, and yet I'm, I'm writing to you again, and, and you're still here needing milk. And the problem is you're unskilled in righteousness. You don't understand righteousness and so you're you're still struggling with these same things, and you're wondering what the problem is, but you guys should already be teachers. and I, I love this because it goes on. he the writer goes on and he says, "But solid food belongs to the mature who are of full age, again, growing up. That is those who, by reason of use of their, of their senses have exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. Okay, let this sit for a second. Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. What does that mean? Elementary principles are like the basic. That's okay. Here we are. Let's go. Let's go back to kindergarten. Like elementary principles. Of Christ. Let us go on. Uh-oh, here's this word that we like, that we that we love as Christians to like use as as this thing. And, and I and I get we use it in good intention. Well, nobody's perfect. And you know where nobody nobody's perfect. Let us go on to perfection. Uh oh, sounds like maybe we can. Not laying again the foundation of what's the very first thing of repentance from dead works. And of faith towards God, and of doctrines of baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so here's the writer of Hebrews talking about well, look, guys, the, the reason why you're not mature is because you don't understand righteousness. And the very first thing that he lists on this thing that says, let's go on from this place of elementary doctrine. And one of the first things in the elementary doctrine has has to do with I'm going right back to it because I want to read it word for word. A foundation of repentance again from dead works. And it, here's and here's what I found, at least in my own life, believing that I was a sinner because my life kind of produced, I mean, I because I sinned produced this place where I'm in this wash machine cycle of always stuck, like, ah, oh, see, like I it, it put it put me in the place of Romans seven knowing what to do, but not knowing how to do it and being stuck. Well, you know, just constantly with godly sorrow. Okay, I'm going to do better. Oh, and then I messed up godly sorrow. And in this place of this repentance from dead works that I didn't understand. i like, wait a minute, I've died and my life is now hidden in, with Christ in God. Like he's made me righteous and clean. By, he, says, he says to his disciples in John 15, he before he even dies on the cross he says you're already clean because of the word i have spoken to you now mm-hmm. i'm like pacing around my living room this you have this stuff gets me so fired up man like But what I'm what I'm getting at is like I I wrestled with this whole idea of like, well, see, I'm I'm literally stuck in this war in Romans seven. And it wasn't until the spirit of God began to teach me more deeply about righteousness that all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, this is not Paul's not writing about the Christian condition. He's writing about what he was as a man under the, the yoke of law, in the mentality of thinking of the law, knowing what he needed to do, but not knowing how to apprehend it. And he says, who, who will free me from this body of death? Praise be to God for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like he, He's illustrating this is who I was as the man, as you said, who gave the nod for Stephen's death. Thinking he was doing the will of God, why he, why he proclaimed himself, I was the chief of sinners. Here I am. Because if you weigh me in the flesh, if you look at my resume, I'm the worst dude there is. I'm the biggest hypocrite in the whole world. But we go on and and man. Just starts opening up in my heart. And now this stuff like the scripture just explodes and it comes alive. And now this like writings of Paul that I never understood. I'm like, you know, because I mean, what, what, what were your first thoughts, John, as you start getting into the scriptures and the first time you encountered Paul writing? And he says, so now that if I sin, it's no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells in me. Like, what did you first think about when you encountered that
1: verse? You know, when I really started, when I really started, start grasping what righteousness was, and I read that, I'm like, well, that sounds like a big cop-out. You're not taking accountability for your actions, and we live, God is just, right? We live in a society in America where if you do something wrong, law enforcement, Enforcement catches you doing it typically they're going to apprehend you and you're going to serve time because that's just you're 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 being served justice for your wrongdoing right but here we have a man saying it is not i who sin but sin in me Dude, i can't even sit down I, every time i it, try and sit down i'm just too pumped it, keep going sorry whoo i wrestled with that bro I wrestled with that because I want to be true to myself. Okay, but aren't I the one making the decision to sin, right? Aren't I the one making that choice as God has given us free will? And so check this out. Paul talks about this in the scripture, walking by the spirit and walking by the flesh. Oh, come on. He talks about putting on the new man and taking off the old. This is important. So when he says it is sin in me, he is literally making a distinction between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. I have been bought with a price, right? I I am no longer under the law, but I'm under grace. I'm under the Lord. I've been bought by Christ and I am redeemed from the power of sin. And so, so Paul, I feel the Lord. um, Paul is really trying to explain that though we may sin and I say may or might is because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Therefore, walk by the spirit and you'll gratify the desires of the spirit. if you walk by the flesh you'll gratify the desires of the flesh now when he when you you brought up the verse earlier where grace abounds should we sin much more and he's like, certainly not no no you should not do that that that's not godly that's not walking in righteousness that's that's not it you're actually defiling your conscience, to what Christ actually did for you and you're hardening your heart towards God um, and you're deceived if that if, if you believe that no that doesn't give God glory at all um, and so check this out in Hebrews 9 Hebrews 9 bro who we're talking about the redemption through the blood of Christ I'm going to read from 11 to 14. It says, But when Christ appeared as high, as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, in parentheses, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, right? Thus securing an eternal redemption, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify the purifications of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is scripture, guys. This is not pulled out from thin air. This is scripture telling us that the blood of Christ can and will purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So what does that mean? Our conscience can be renewed by the word of Christ or the word of God to where our actual desires of our heart are genuinely wanting to glorify God, have peace with God, do do things from a place of, I have the mind of Christ as first Corinthians two 16 says for who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him question mark, but we have the mind of christ guys this has been purchased to us this has been purchased for us by christ through the work of the cross and i think that is so beautiful and that's so amazing that it is actually possible to be free from the power of sin and to consider ourselves dead to it crucified on the cross with christ raised up into new life with him and 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 to be able to live a life through him and in him for His glory, having that same mind um, where you don't have to think to do the right thing. You're doing the right thing because you're in Him and you're leaving. You're having your being in Him and through Him. Yes. talked about in Acts, as Paul quoted. Um, yeah, bro. Whew. What do you got? So I,
0: I wrote something last night, just, just right on the tail end of what you're saying. I wrote something last night because... I had this conversation with a friend on the phone and he was just kind of struggling with some stuff and it's probably better that we did this conversation tonight because after i got off the phone with him man i was so fired up it would be i would have been screaming at you on this thing i was i was pumped man it was just awesome and but anyways he's he's struggling through this stuff and he's telling me about different things and so what I, I I was like, you know what, man? It just I, I was sitting and I was kind of reflecting on it a little bit later, and it just like dawned on me of like, oh my gosh, man! Like everything that you were just talking about, like the filing of the time.
1: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this first conversation on why righteousness is important. Um, the second Infinity Stone of the Gospel. It is a very very important in your walk with christ and gosh the gospel is so life-giving i pray that this encourages you meditate on this throughout the week share share the the new clothing that we have in christ with uh fellow believers and man it's it's a beautiful thing i love you guys and we will see you on the next episode on righteousness have a blessed week